You're listening to episode 283 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the third season of the Netflix science fiction series, Travelers. And before I forget, my wife wanted me to make sure I told you what a beautiful family you have. That was a great (laughs) card you sent us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, when when we do get it out, which is not every year. Uh, it's usually not till after, so we've you know taken to sending out a happy New Year card, right? <laughs> Any kind of happy holiday or Merry Christmas card. So, but thank you, David. Well, it's funny because she was just going through some stuff. Oh, maybe two weeks ago, and she found a card that you had sent us. Gosh, uh, probably four or five years ago, and and obviously, uh-huh. especially the girls, the size differential is yeah. enormous yeah it's it's crazy they grow up quick as yes they do so all right well moving on if you would like to contact wayne myself with some uh, f- episode feedback questions you can do so via the email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com you send to- us a christmas card or send us a Christmas card. Go to the website, leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab, record your own audio clip. If you want, tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch or consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. And it's been a while since I mentioned the Patreon. I try to do it maybe once a month or so. And we do have a Patreon account, which is there to help defray the costs of producing Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And, you know, we've been mentioning some bonus material and we finally got one bonus item out to you but as we've said all along anytime there's bonus material everybody will have access to it you know of course we hope you choose to become a patron but if not we're still going to keep talking about the shows we all love and if you're interested go to our website look for the patreon link on the right side of the page or go to patreon.com slash sci-fi tv rewatch and the website is of course www.scifitvrewatch.podbean.com all right now i guess this qualifies as news but it's really a question to you have you seen the movie bird box no my son uh, was watching it the other day and i i couldn't really gauge from him whether he liked it or not Well, I'm sure you saw the same story that I saw, which is that Netflix, which ordinarily does not release any figures to the public, claims it's the most viewed film on their service with over 45 million accounts having watched this post-apocalyptic tale starring Sandra Bullock. I I pretty much had dismissed it, but as I was saying to my wife earlier, I think at this point I'm just going to have to watch it because it has become a cultural element that I think it's important to at least know what the hell people are talking about. Yeah. You know, Brendan was telling me about it and um, you know, like I said, he like, uh, cause it, obviously you see the, the trailer for it and it looks scary. I'm like, well, is it scary? He's like, well, you know, so I really couldn't get a solid answer whether it was, whether he liked it, whether it was anybody or not, but yeah, I'll probably end up watching it sometime. Okay. All right. You want to go first with the tip of the week? Do I have a tip of the week? Well, since we're talking about Netflix, let me tell you about Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I've heard conflicting things about that as well. Go, go for it. Well, I've so in case you don't know, it is basically a choose your own adventure movie where uh, as the movie is running at certain points, a dialogue box comes up at the bottom and you get to choose one thing. So like the first one in every episode is uh, his dad offers him two different types of cereal and you have to pick whether you want the, the sugar pops or the, or the frosted flakes. Um, and then, so obviously each choice you make, you know, has, you know, leads to then different choices. It's in everything down the line, um, much as, you know, choose your own adventure book, which is ironically the, well, not ironically, I mean, obviously they did purposefully that, the the premise of it is this kid Stefan is a video game designer in 1984, and he's designing a game based on a choose your own adventure book by this guy who went who went crazy. I, I, so like I get you know you can there's I I think I read this like uh, there's like five different endings if you go like all the way through it. I think I've only gotten all the way through like one time. 
maybe twice, but I'm not sure because I'm reading like if you go all the way through it, last like 90 minutes, and the longest any episode that I watched last was like 70 minutes. So I'm thinking, oh, well, I haven't maybe I haven't gone all the way through yet. But uh, it's it's wild. It is really crazy. The attention, the detail. Um, at one point, you have a choice between two different CDs to listen to. Right, you can listen to uh, Thompson Twins or a compilation. And then uh, later on, the character asks them, well, what do you listen to nowadays? Well, if you picked the compilation back then, they'll say, oh, just basically compilations. If you pick the Thompson Twins, you say, I listen to the Thompson Twins. So it's just things like that is uh, really incredible. Now, that being said, the story itself, as far as I've gone through it, like I've, I have I went through and like every time you kind of like reach a dead end, you don't get to the end, but you, you reach a choice and the story ends. It lets you go back and pick the other choice, right? I probably last Friday watched it. I, I went, like, I, I followed the story all the way through one time after going back a number of times and following a bunch of other ends, uh, dead ends and everything. And then I went back and did it again because there's this one point that something big happens and I wanted to choose the other thing to see what happens. And, and so, I've, so I've really probably, like I said, gone, I, like, I'm not sure if I've even seen the credits yet. <laughs> so I probably have to watch it like a lot more times, basically. But it's pretty cool. I thought it was cool. I, I thought it was the story itself isn't great. The ending that I got through to wasn't spectacular. You know, as far as especially a Black Mirror episode where you're really expecting like this whole thing dealing with like you know, twisting reality and what's real and what's not and everything. And again, maybe uh, maybe there's endings I just haven't seen yet that'll get there, but. Um, so like from the, what I watched if all the way through, if that were just a regular episode of black mirror, I would say it's probably a pretty bad episode, but like the whole experience of choosing what the character does, everything was just so trippy and cool. I just, I really liked that. I thought it was awesome. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it then. And I, I really had no idea that's what they were doing with this episode. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, mine is a show that premieres on january 8th 2019 ordinarily it's not a show that i think i would be drawn to but i had some time i had a screener so i took a look at it and that's project blue book on history channel and i guess with oh, the yeah. with the successes of vikings and nightfall they're they're going into the scripted drama arena once again it, is that what we're calling nightfall now well what scripted drama a success I think the numbers were surprisingly good. Were they? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're still waiting for an air date, but the season two has already been filmed. Oh, oh okay. But Project Blue Book's going to air Tuesday nights at 10 o'clock, as I said, beginning January 8th. And it's based on the true top secret investigations into unidentified flying objects, UFOs, and related phenomenon conducted by the U.S. Air Force from 1952 to 1969. So we're in that time period, which, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they really only know it from television and film. Uh, and I guess that would include you as well now that I think about it. Yeah. But, uh, so I'm sitting here watching it. And I'm thinking, oh, well, it's okay. Um, wait a minute. I know him. Oh, yeah. Oh, I recognize her. So I'm, I'm going through. So number one, Aiden Gillen. Right, right. We know as Lord Baelish, a.k.a. Uh -huh. Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. Laura Minnell, Man in the High Castle. And I know her from Van Helsing. And then what got me first was the voice, Cassinia Solo from Lost Girl, who played Kenzie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's also, and I didn't realize this, and this is a show that has been on my radar for a while, Turn Washington Spies. I didn't realize that she was in that and had such a big role. And then quintessential bad guy, Neil McDonough, who <laughs> I'm sure you know from Arrow and Legends sure. of Tomorrow as Damien well, Brothers. Oh, oh, right. But, uh, you know, it's got kind of an X-Files government conspiracy cover-up feel to it. Pilot episodes pretty good. Follows an incident in which an Air Force pilot came into contact with a UFO. They couldn't identify it in North Dakota. So I would say if that's something that is in your wheelhouse, it's definitely worth you know, checking it out. It's got some 
good actors. And like any pilot, you can tell the actors are still feeling out their characters. So I would certainly suspect it'll get better, but it's certainly worth checking out. Okay. Yeah, it's a great cast there. So, Oh, yeah. So, all right. Well, listen, why don't we jump into episode four of season three of Travelers titled Perot. And this one was written by Pat Smith, who wrote 104 Hall, 209 Update. Uh, and he wrote one episode in season one and three episodes in season two with Ashley Park. And then there was another collaboration. So Pat Smith's done a lot in the Travelers realm. Directed by Amanda Tapping, who did the season one finale, Grace, 204-1127-207-17 minutes, 208-Traveler-0027, and 209-Update. I forgot that she'd done those three back-to-back. It's a pleasant and welcome return to, I think, what we would agree is a good Traveler's episode after last week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I Really mean, good episode. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. So, you know, we'll maybe talk. Worth great. its weight for nothing else, but finally jeff well yes and no and i guess we'll get well, to that the act still there but jeff the a-hole is gone yeah but again let's hold off on that for a bit all right so um Say. dawn's explanation of the faction's reason for being comes across to me a little bit different from what we've previously heard um it seems a more noble cause because with worsening conditions in the future faith in the director has waned and why would it not i mean that didn't surprise me at all to hear her say that yeah well you're like okay well director's been running for a while now i mean they probably thought let's flip the switch and all of a sudden trees will be back horses will be running around it'll be a back to eden on earth right all we have to do is flip the switch yeah and i know i made some continuum connections last week and and i'm going to make some more tonight as well but you know do we begin to see the faction as the good guys just as we did with liberate in continuum that our first i mean do we ever really actually go there though i don't know did Oh, I think Liberate so. actually ever become the, the good guys? Well, I think so. And and I think even Kira you know, joins forces with them when they realize who are the protectors protecting. They're not protecting the people. They're protecting the corporations. And then Vincent, 001, I mean, really, he just seems to be out for himself. And, you know, so we've got the faction that really does seem to be making an attempt to make life better for people in the future the traveler program ostensibly is doing the same although i guess uh, as we go further into the series i guess that's even debatable but vincent uh, just out for himself go ahead yeah no uh, you know because you definitely obviously you can't watch this episode and not ruminate on these things because yes especially when you have uh maya panovich who's the one uh, declaring the noble intentions of the faction. I'm just, okay, I believe her. <laughs> but then we have to think back and we think about everything the faction has done. And even now, you know, I mean, they, they, they tried to unleash a plague on the entire planet. Of course, I, I, is it here? She says, you know, basically better, you know, a couple million now than billions later or something like that. When, com- when we, we look at them versus the travelers, you know, it's just really tough to still like I I get obviously uh, Dawn definitely believes in her cause here, but you still really question the faction's methods and and therefore, you know, are they really the good guys? Like, I don't know, but you're right. It does make you pause and think we don't just think of them as an all-around evil entity anymore well right and the other thing we always have to consider because it's so easy to forget that we're looking at dawn and michelle her her partner as you know these young women when in fact they could be as old as trevor's uh consciousness and as we always say they could be guys right and and they've just taken over these young bodies because we get that idea that they're young, idealistic, that they really believe in the cause that they're fighting for. But 
We don't know that for sure. But she does say the faction became a rebellion. The rebellion became a war. That idea of Vincent as the leader of this rebellion, I just can't see it because he's been a man right. out for himself all but along. But it's, you know, if you really think about it, it's not Vincent. It's not 001 because this 001 went back to the past and the 001 that led the faction is like a different guy altogether. Well, yeah. different experience and completely different life. Well, right? well, see, and, and again, this is where it gets confusing, fascinating, whatever. I mean, we know Perot's body is dead of course we'd be naive to think that zero zero one hasn't jumped into a new body sure so is this again going to be one of these situations like continuum that they come back and they tell julian randall dude you're theseus you're going to lead the movement and he's like what the hell right well i guess i should lead the movement then so is it going to be that kind of a case that they're coming back and telling zero zero one you know, you lead the movement. So it seems I don't hard. think he led the movement from the 21st century. I think he led the movement from the 24th. Well, I know in, what in you're different saying. different timeline that yeah. he was an, an engineer in, in changing. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's you're, you're, you're right. If, if there's anything we can say about it, it's like super confusing, but you know what I took it as is he's not that guy. Like the guy in the 24th century now, zero zero one completely different dude and and that this is the guy who came back much earlier and has basically just been like you said servicing himself pretty much right right you want to phrase that in another way yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i'll leave it just as is i like that cool all right now the other thing that, (laughs) that struck me the secondaries are discussing their significant others and the fact that they aren't the people they know and i find it fascinating that that's true yet we see david as a completely new man now we know it's not because he's had a consciousness uh take over his body but but he has become a a new man but the other thing that struck me about david and obviously there's a lot about david and marcy in this episode uh for good reason and and you know we didn't do a spoiler zone last week and I think I forgot to mention it to you. I didn't really have anything last week. I do have yeah, I a few I... things for tonight, however. Mm-hmm. And, and and certainly Marcy and David factor into that a little bit. But do Trevor and Philip prevent David's death at the hands of the bike thieves? Because, uh, right. you know, we know they're kicking David's ass when, when the two of them come up and stop it. And I forget whether it's Philip or Trevor, probably Trevor. Good thing we just happened to be coming by. Yeah. Right. We just ha- right. So did Philip massage them in that direction because he knew that David was going to die? Now you just tell me about how I'm saying things. But, um, <laughs> no. uh, you know, it's, it, I think the, the first time I saw it, I think I was of like, I agreed with you that, um, that it was just Philip knowing this was going to happen, wouldn't stop it. I don't know whether he was going to die because they're expressly forbidden to keep people from dying, right? Though, obviously, we know they've broken Protocol 3 before. Is it right? Is it Protocol 3? Ah, uh, I forget but, now. I don't whatever, know. it's one of them. Uh, so they're not supposed to be doing that and, and saving people who are supposed to die. And, of course, that being said, they have done it a number of times. You know, the other thought is now they can track David, right? Cause he's got the com in his neck or whatever. So that potentially maybe that's, you know, how they knew, but, but, but again, that, why would they follow him? If, you know, is, is, does the com tell you when you're getting your ass kicked? I don't know. Well, see, that's um, something that I also wondered about because we know Marcy knows that he has it because she implanted it. But I wonder if, there's something that doesn't allow them to know because I can't believe McLaren wouldn't have said something to her. Like, what the hell are you doing, Marcy? Yeah. So if McLaren doesn't know, I wonder if Trevor and Philip know. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, it probably is that, you know, Philip knew what was good. Well, of course, even if they were following the comm, and, you know, I don't think they would be able to get there quickly enough to 
keep him from being seriously hurt. But they were right there right after the fight started, which means like they knew it was going to happen, which means Philip, you know, spilled the beans. Yeah. Now, Philip makes that call for more historian pills. And of course, Trevor overhears and doesn't believe him. And, and trust has been an issue that's been building up, certainly among the secondaries. And clearly he doesn't trust uh, Philip, and I guess you can understand that. Catherine doesn't trust Grant, and that whole idea of building walls and defense mechanisms comes up. But uh, I, I, do, I do love the line that, that Philip gets when, the, when he and Trevor go to get the pills. It's like, wow, the director sent you to a nice part of town. Dude, huh. we live in a garage. But yeah, and also here they, they mentioned the relapse from, I guess, last episode, right, um, where – you know, when they found Philip on, you know, on the floor, I guess we were wondering about that, what, what the deal was. So apparently he had a relapse. Right, well, the opening scene of this episode, I, I won't say it catches us completely off guard because we can see what's happening here. But 001 gets a text. We know who you are. We know when you're from. And of course, it's Dawn and Michelle and they need Perot's help. Uh, again, and Michelle brings this up, you, you know, maybe we shouldn't have caused an accident if you're so worried about his well-being. And and uh, again, every time I watch this episode, I'm like, why the hell did you do it that way? Uh, yeah. now, now, on the <laughs> other hand, is this going to be, and I know I keep calling him um, Vincent, but I guess truthfully, we should refer to him as 001. Yeah. I mean, again, wh- What's the drive faster? And I'm thinking like, all right, didn't you see any documentaries about Princess Diana's death and all all of that? But uh, exactly. Well, it's, you know, obviously it's, they need Perot's body to be injured to the point where it's no longer viable as a host, which kind of like you say, zero, zero, one sucks for you. You went through all the trouble to transfer all your money over to her and, you know, give her custody of your kid and, now you have to jump into a different host, but, um, but yeah, you know, like obviously it, it makes kind of very little sense in any kind of realistic, you know, fashion, except for, you know, the, te- the messages that Vincent is, I'm sorry, zero zero one is getting Perot is getting are basically the same messages that they delivered. You know, they showed the travelers when they were torturing them. Right. Oh, absolutely. So probably, you know, triggered her, him a little bit. So, you know, Dawn should have probably thought that through a little bit better. She even says this wasn't the way it was supposed to go, but, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, well, but this also, what I'm saying about the faction is, A, they don't have the director to direct them, and they just don't really think things through, right? And in, in, in that way, they seem to be very much like, liberate you know where half the time it seemed like they were just doing stuff because you know know, we need money or whatever they're just they're kind of fulfilling their uh short-term needs but not really thinking about what they're doing right well that was part of the problem in continuum in the beginning of season two now and it's the lack of leadership once kagami dies that that really causes them to do just like spoilers as you said well come on i think uh (laughs) but uh so Perot's in a coma in the hospital. Her team comes in, and and, and again, we're not surprised at Your all when they come in. in. A coma, I know, I know, it's serious. Okay, I don't know what that is, but it's the Smiths, man. Oh, okay. All right, but the the main story of this episode is the hunt for zero zero one, and the word on the Traveler Deep Web is the director has matched an EEG with zero zero one so here's the piece of dramatic irony if you were using this in your classroom that they are under the misapprehension that zero zero one was overwritten and of course we know uh uh-uh guys that's not how it worked out because they don't know about vincent's transfer machine right so mac goes to the hospital to learn what he can about the jane doe who we know is zero zero one in perot's body and of course there's no security footage because his team took care of that yeah i mean yeah, just a bunch of people just came into a hospital grabbed the comatose pace patient and left right it happens all the time yeah. now the other thing i thought was cool was dawn and michelle 
continually refer to Perot as he or or him, right? Which the, you know we we've talked many times about really not knowing the gender for sure of particular characters, and we don't know whether the director made an attempt to put a female consciousness in a female host and vice versa with the male. We don't know that for sure. But again, as, as Perot is lying there on the bed, I, I thought it was pretty cool. But the messenger tells Mac to provide internet access for Ilsa, which is, of course, not what Teslia intends to happen. And, and we know where this is headed because we've seen the Terminator. Yeah. And to this point, Teslia's kept Ilsa under control. So, Again, I, it was a nice little plot detail, and and we don't at this point really understand why the director needs Ilsa because the director is able to communicate with all its teams around the world at this point. So, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah, but I think you nailed it in the head. I mean, very, very Skynet uh, comparisons here, no doubt about it. You know, like it, it, you can't help but see they're assisting Ilsa as an AI and making it more intelligent that are giving her better access to the outside world um, that, uh, you know, that there's potential big problems with that. Yeah. But and maybe somebody will, you know, send us some feedback or post on the Facebook group explaining again what you and I were talking about before because both Michelle and Dawn keep referring to Perot and we, we of course you know they're talking about 001 that saving her is more important than anything and so if saving 001 in 2019 or 2018 is so important because you're going to lead the movement I, I how ha, you know how do we get from 2018 to 20 or 2300 or whatever future yeah. they're in now is it simply a matter that 001 keeps hopping bodies for the next couple hundred oh, years oh yeah that's possible i didn't think about that i mean we've got the transfer device right 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 so yeah that, that could very well be, which would then shoot my theory in the foot a little bit there. So, Well, but that's the beauty of it. Nothing is really right, crystal right. clear. So uh, I guess it's all theoretical. But Mac's team is now putting the pieces together, and, and they realize that a consciousness transfer device is viable. Oh, he probably uh, – God, what was that guy's name? I can't remember now. Simon. Simon work on it, put it together. Of course, he owned all those companies so he could, you know, manufacture the parts that he needed. But the internet access, and again, uh, Grace has gone from the character you want to dislike to one that every scene is gold with her in it. Yeah, now. absolutely. And she's just so eager to talk to the director, but it doesn't, well, she wants to be part of the team too, you know. Well, she does, and and you know when they get to the lab, you know, at which Ilsa is kept, it still wasn't clear exactly what the plan was intended to be, and and I guess Mac had the foresight to know that you know what Tesla is probably going to call Yates, and Yates is going to come in on us, and we're not going to be able to do what we're going to do, but you know if I can keep her talking, yeah. Classic. Well, well, right. And, you know, then Grace can go off and do her thing, which is exactly what happens. But we do have another one of the Skynet moments in in this episode. And and that comes later in the episode. So I guess I should should hold off on that. But as they're driving away, I I love that scene. Grace is just giddy with excitement. And she says, I have to admit, this is getting exciting. All of a sudden, yeah. They, they, nope. They've left her out of the car. <laughs> There's no Uber out here. He just, said, "Thank you for reminding us why why you're not on the team." Ah, oh, just just a, <laughs> a great great scene. But 
you know, Perot, uh, Jeff respect is just so funny, you know. Well, like, well, yeah. But you know, one of the lines that Dawn says to zero zero one that that we can't hide and fight for our future. We want to save humanity, and you know, tell zero zero one they have no resources, and of course. And this goes back to, and I, I know I keep using Vincent, but I, I guess we, we had so much experience with that character yeah. in that host body that, oh, you just want my money. Well, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, oh, money. Yeah. Money would be, help. That'd be nice. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's clearly more than that. Right. Now you brought up Jeff at the beginning and I, I asked you to hold off for a bit. So, so we get to that scene where, you know, they're headed to find 001. McLaren sees that Jeff is right there, and I, I think it was Jeff cuts him off, right? Yeah. And, and then the team gets out, guns drawn. But he's all drunk driving again. Well, well, right. We see the recorded time of death. So I take it from what you said earlier that you're happy that Jeff's consciousness was replaced by 55, 40, uh, 5416. Right. Because I've been saying, look, like the, the actor is great. I love that guy, but the character is just such an a-hole and he's just, and you know, they tried to, you know, we talked about this before, you know, where they tried to make him better and make him like a, a more likable person. It just, and then they realized, ah, nah, just make him a hole again. And I also complained that how, you know, the disagreeable characters uh, index versus people of color index on this show was uh, alarmingly similar. So at least now there there is a, a person of color who hopefully will be, you know, like a likable character. But and I, and I agree with that. But what's so great about this scene, because at first I thought. Uh, you know, that's kind of a cop out. I don't want to necessarily call it lazy writing because I don't think it's lazy writing because what it does open up is another scenario where now Carly has to deal with this guy that moments ago was ready to beat the crap out of her and now is a completely different person. But it's really the first incident within the inner circle that has really come up like this, right? A character that we've, uh-huh. we've known that's now being taken over. So we haven't seen that before. Um, well, I mean, Marcy kind of, but, but yeah. Well, well yeah, but Basically, that, that right. was in episode one when the team was, you know, arriving in the 21st. And then, you know, I mean, so, so that, I mean, you're, you're talking about when she no, was, when they had to overwrite Marcy with Marcy. Right, Marcy 2.0 or 3.0. Marcy 2.0, right. Yeah, okay. Um, But we've talked about Philip's visions before, and he's got a vision of an alternate reality of Jeff and Carly lying dead on the street, Mm -hmm. apparently having shot each other. Are his visions getting worse, more frequent? But more to the point, what the hell do they mean? Which, if we're lucky enough to get a season four and – I think at some point we'll have to do a podcast maybe after we do the finale where we talk about, well, what could possibly happen in season four if he even comes back? But I, I don't know. I mean, do you make anything of this other than endemic with historians at this point? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I'm seeing it is it's just him seeing the multiple timelines, you know, like he's seeing kind of, all these different things at once, like, you know, so, and it's, this isn't the first time, you know, obviously. Um, I just thought it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy how after things had calmed down that he looks down and only afterward he sees the bodies and what potentially could have, have happened there. Um, yeah, but, so, but, but Carly keeps saying to him, you're going to die. You're going to die as if she knows it, or is she simply taunting him, getting him to draw his guns so that she can kill him herself. That's a good, I'm not, I'm not sure. I just, you know, at first I thought maybe that Carly kind of planned this out thinking that the director would overwrite him, but I don't think so. You know, I think she's just really has had it and she's about to kill him. 
And so the director comes in and, and overwrites him. Right. I mean, it's not like Philip has that wall anymore where he's got all the people that are going to die and when they're going to die for her to see. So unless Philip told her, which I find difficult to believe. No, I don't think so. It seemed very in the moment there, you know, right, like she's right. just like, it's a very emotional moment. And, um, you know, she was, she was ready to pull the trigger on him for right, sure. Right. Now we get that scene with Teslia asking Ilsa questions that reveal that it knows things it shouldn't know, but the machine lies when asked where it acquired the information. And, you know, we've got that scene with Teslia. Just like a teenager. Like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, but then we got the scene with Teslia and Yates where Teslia is lying to Yates and Ilsa, after Yates leaves, wants to know, you know, why are we lying to her? Because I don't want her to be afraid of you. Yeah. And of course we'll go back to, you know, the whole Skynet connection. And, and, and again, I, we bring it up, but how can you not? You, there's impossible. The only way you could not make that connection is if you haven't seen any Terminator movie ever, which is also impossible. So it is impossible. There's no way. Right. I, I would think so. I mean, anybody that's watching Travelers is probably a pretty hardcore sci-fi TV fan and, yeah. and sci-fi film. So Max's team enters. They find the dead bodies, including Perot's. And again, they're, they're starting to put things together. Yates comes in. Who killed these people? You're a real FBI agent. Let me know right. when you find out. <laughs> I love that. So there were uh, some good lies. But, you know, something's going to have to happen with their relationship. I mean, yeah. we've got over half a season to go. They can't continue down this path, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I, well, probably not. And, and if anything, we can see them being allied in the future um, because, you know, obviously, we we like Yates. Uh, we, you know, she is kind of an antagonist to the travelers at this point, but we we don't dislike her. We know why she does what she does and she's not as it's out of duty right she's just doing her duty to the best that that, that she can so when she gets in the traveler's way we don't we aren't like annoyed with her and everything we just we kind of see like hey you know well she's a pretty well, smart cookie well yeah i mean i'm more annoyed with mac right than i am with her because as yeah. you said she's just doing her job and he has to understand that so now the other major aspect of this episode is the David and Marcy story. And while it's for the most part, all cuteness, I, I think there is something that that's got to make us think there's a reason they're doing this. I mean, we get the scene, you know, she gets up in the morning, cute as always. And again, I love the scene where he finally can't stand watching her crack open eggs anymore and this whole idea about Marcy's inability to cook has kind yeah. of become a running gag in the show, yeah. which, which is fine because somebody as brilliant as she is, how the hell could she not know how to cook at this point or well, crack an egg? Had to. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. But, but the other thing that comes out in this episode is David and, and the new man that he's become. And when he finds out that that homeless guy that he'd given his bike to had it stolen like imagine that david well i understand that and and we can say all right well it, it from a plot device uh, it gives him a chance to go and stand up for himself or stand up for somebody else I and mean, then get his ass kicked. well and and i mean really that's what david's job has been to stand up for people that don't have a voice he's just never had to do it in a physical way before right and he doesn't have to do it but no but it's it's so funny how how quickly he because now he's been doing push-ups he's feeling better and everything so you know he's he's saying well now i can i can take these guys now you know i've been working out i'm i'm feeling pretty good but he's still like David inside, you know, he's still the guy who clearly has probably never thrown a punch in his life. Well, that's true. And uh, of course, a lot of it has to do with not only being around Marcy and McLaren's team, but wanting to 
impress her, as we said a few weeks back. Right. You know, he acknowledges he's going to have to step up his game if he's going to hang with her. But as we said earlier, did the director send Philip and Trevor under the ruse of Philip getting his meds? Did the director know that would put them in a location, in a position to help David from being killed? I mean, we don't see the little time of death thing for David. Right, but, true. You know, I, I certainly think... Well, right, because the director... Why Why would we if the director sent Philip and Trevor to save him? Right. Right? But why is Marcy tailing him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would get if he's tailing her because he wants to know what it is she does during the day and during the evening, for that matter. And despite the fact that he does trust her, I think, if anything, it's the curiosity that's killing him about what it is she does and what her job really entails. All right. So, um, cat comes to David's for a chat talking about what Jeff said, and he passes it off as Jeff being drunk. But, uh, but of course, cat thinks it could be true. Does that mean I can't have doubts about my husband? And, and she starts grilling him about Marcy and whether there've been changes. And he actually gets mad I'm not sure if he slams the counter or drops something. Because oh, really I think, yeah, yeah, I think he does slam the counter, but he apologizes for it right afterwards. Well, he does, but um, I, I think when you think about for him, it's a matter of denial. Because right. If oh, he, absolutely. Right, because absolutely. if he accepts what it is Kat and Jeff are selling, then what is this relationship that I'm in with this beautiful young woman really mean? Is it what I think it is? And of course the answer would be no, it's not. Yeah. So. Right. When Kat says, is she any different? Like, well, yeah, she's way different than when I knew her at first. Right. You know, but I'm still just struggling with this whole thing. Like when you're in a relationship and especially in a relationship for a long time, it's people do have the potential to change like change drastically. And usually it's like, because of like specific reasons, like they're having an affair or they are abusing, you know, substances or something like that. But to think like, you know, she doesn't suspect him of any of that. She is like suspecting that he literally is a completely, like there's a completely different person in her former husband's body. And that is mental. Like that makes no sense. Like if you, if, if your spouse started changing, like, would you say, Oh, well, you know, clearly some science fiction thing happened that, you know, my spouse has been suddenly replaced by a completely new person. Like that's, that's just, that's crackerjacks. I think that, you know, well it is. And I'm not sure I would take it that far. I, I guess I look at it that she perhaps sees her husband as some sort of sleeper agent, some sort of, some sort of a spy. And that that he really is somebody else i mean not unlike you know what what maybe what they do in counterpart where i mean you know they don't have an other so to speak but somebody coming across and and you know basically taking over the life of somebody and so i said that's kind of the way i see it for for her but do, do you think that's then the explanation for these visions that she's having you know, where, where she sees yeah. her husband right, and hears him doing things that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be. Well, well, I just, yeah, I, I think just with the writing that they, you know, they want cat to like suspect the truth, but, but that's just like, you know, I think it goes beyond belief that a spouse would think that, you know, would think that like now, what you said makes a lot more sense. Now, if she was saying, why don't they have her say something like, I feel like he's maybe like a Russian spy or something who's been here for years you know, or something like that. Okay. I could roll with that, but it seems like they're trying to get her to guess the actual truth about, about Grant. And that's just kind of like, you know, crazy. Well, yeah, but they did see the confession tapes, correct? When they were still being held by zero, zero one, and they had the little iPad, so that right. has to be in right. her oh, mind. Yeah. 
Now, so, but they but they did the memory thing on it. Well, that's they? true. And then I was going to also say, yeah, hearing somebody say that on YouTube is one thing. Actually, right. believing it right. in reality, but that kind of segues into the third part of the story. They're not who they claim to be, and and we know she's in therapy with the therapist that David recommended, and and she seems to really feel good about the work that she's doing. The therapist wants her to say. I'm not afraid of my husband, and she can't complete the sentence. Okay, see that I, I'm I, that I, I can roll with that because okay, she's scared of him. He's be, he's acting weird. Uh, he's uh, physically imposing. Okay, I, I I get that right. That she's scared of him. She's concerned about him. She she doesn't trust him anymore. Those those things I can handle, right? Well, what does Jeff think? I mean, you know, he he's confronted Carly on numerous occasions, and he comes to the door here, and you know, he even says, uh, "Who the fuck are you?" And yeah. what does he think? Do you? Uh, I, th- I think he he also thinks what the truth is, right? Okay, because he's remembering it because of his, you know, his sozzled brain did not take to the the memory wipe as well. Well, it it leads us into just a great closing scene. David and Marcy are are together. And then that leads right into Catherine waiting for Grant. She's got a sexy dress on. She's got wine, music tells him she's got a vegan pizza in the oven. They start kissing passionately. It's just such a shame we have to take that lovely body of yours. And, of course, we know it's her imagination. Right. Because then he really does come through the door as she's hiding behind a wall. And then we hear, we assume she hears as well, Philip, I think we're going to have to go through with it. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. Right. But it's certainly ominous. Yeah, that's extremely ominous. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anything you want to add before we get to the feedback? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, uh, you got a grade yet? I'm going to give this an A-. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I thought it was there a you really, go. Look at that. Yep, really strong episode, and, and that was certainly a welcome uh, sight after last week. All right, so let's get into the listener feedback section. And before we hear from Fred, we're going to uh, hear from J.D. Lale, who sent us an email Uh, about episode three and he says you got your wish they revisited something from an earlier season and after careful consideration i'm glad they did it for one reason we won't ever have to go down that particular rat hole again (laughs) it was not an exciting episode time to move on obviously if you listen to last week's podcast you know wayne and i agree with that yeah Uh, spoiler zone section it says it's a good idea because it allows a compromise between those who binge and are done moi and those who don't and aren't that far along now he also says i'm kind of ambivalent about the end of the season in some ways i've grown to like the cast and there's no way all of them continue as is you know what as i'm i'm reading this maybe we should uh hold off and and read this in the spoiler zone section so jay yeah, yeah. we'll uh we'll pick up your we'll get to you in a little bit right so, all right, well, let's hear what Fred has to say about episode four. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Travelers season three, episode four. First off, I want to go to a interview with Eric McCormack, who plays Grant McLaren on YouTube. And there he has in an interview with Daily Mive, he has a theory of the Netflix algorithm. And when I listen to that, I really get mainly sad. And you knowing me, you probably will understand. Have a listen. But I will also put the link on the Facebook page. Can you tell me about your theory of how they decide if there's another season? Yeah, I mean, it basically obviously comes down to to viewers like it does any other network. But it's a number of viewers in a short period of time. Uh, Netflix has their own special secret thing going on. They won't tell us. They won't tell you. It's just about the number of people that watch the show, binge the show, mm-hmm. in the first five to seven days is basically what it is. So it's great if people discover a show. As people are discovering our show now, two years later, they're just finding Travelers, which is great. But 
what we need for season three is for everyone that's discovered the show to watch it the day it drops or the, or the week it drops because that's that's what they it's that level of interest that they need. What you watch, you specifically, uh, matters in that that's how they'll sell to you. They don't they're not concerned about necessarily your gender or, or your race or your age. And if you've watched Travelers, well, they're going to pitch something else sort of sci-fi to you or something else with Mackenzie Porter in it. Or they'll find, they'll find the connections. How do you structure a show so that people are like, I can't wait. I need to watch yeah. the next episode right now. With television, for whatever reason, so, so the series I did in the past, there was always a feeling from the network of, we're not sure what order we're going to show this in. You might be preempted for three weeks by football. There has to be a, a nice button at the end. And Netflix wants the total opposite. They want you to absolutely have no choice but to watch that next episode. And they, as, as anyone that has Netflix knows, they roll it over so quick that... You don't have time. You know, like, I want to watch the credits. I no, can't I find the remote. No, oh, it's on now. Which is, which is, I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, that's new for me. I mean, it's new for a lot of us, this binge thing, this idea that that is the best way to watch. Binging, the best way to watch. Well, actually, that makes me quite sad. Why don't we have then just one episode of eight hours for a 10-episode series? Why make episodes at all? Does this all mean that in order to save a show on Netflix, you really have to binge it? So what happens to people who really like a show, who really want to rewatch it, who really want to digest it, analyze it, listen to a podcast, listen to two podcasts, and then be fully ready for the next episode. I'm getting a little bit frustrated by these binge-watch systems. So you can expect I won't listen to your spoiler section. The second topic, uh, I just shortly want to come back to last week's podcast, where I asked the question whether the FBI is really involved in the Travelers program or that it is just that a lot of FBI officials are travelers. And you answered it a little bit like why the FBI and not the CIA or any other agency, but it was more like, is it the real FBI, still normal humans that are involved in the travelers program, or is it just because a lot of FBI leaders are travelers by now? And that's why they are involved. So the FBI is not the FBI anymore, but a traveler's agency. Okay, about episode four. And there suddenly Perot was, who we have missed for the last two episodes. But I think it will be the last what we have seen of her. But on the other hand, she's double back because she directed this episode. Well, Amanda Tapping did. Of course, Dave, you recognize Dawn, one of the two women that kidnapped Perot as Emily from Continuing, young Alex Sattler's girlfriend. Okay, some random thoughts. The best part of the episode was the David's funny explanation of his headache by phone to Marcy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I just vomited in a voicemail. That is disgusting. I'm so sorry. Um, where was I? Um, I was calling. I wanted to tell you that I think I have a concussion because I have all the symptoms. Nausea being one of them. So, obviously, I Google concussion on my phone, and I know I tend to instantly take on the symptoms of anything I look up online, but this time I... I can promise you that it's not all in my head, <laughs> because it, it it is. I mean, that's where concussions happen, right? So where else would it be? Hey, Hoodle, uh, I got conked in the head pretty hard, and I could use your advice. Oh, this is this is David. This was so so funny. I think the most funniest scene from the whole series so far. Nice idea to keep the actor that plays Jeff in the series, because he's that, but he's not that. And then we shortly see Philip's vision of what I think is another timeline, because we saw Jeff and Carly dead on the, on the ground. What was the whole thing with Catherine and David? 
I think it was a funny kind of meeting, but they really put us on the wrong leg because what David said to Catherine and that he didn't believe the whole thing of that there were other persons in them. And then we see Catherine at home together with Grant and it, it looks nice. And then it turns out to be a vision again. Bummer. David is so opposed against Kat's idea that Marcy is not Marcy, but he knows she went from a mentally disabled person to a medical doctor. Or is that also gone in his mind due to his memory blockers? I really wonder what role the AI Ilsa will play. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, Fred. All right, well, speaking of binging, as, as JD mentioned, I mean, we live in the Netflix universe, which to a large extent caters to the demand to have everything now. And whether or not that's generational, I don't know. But taking the time to examine each episode of a thought-provoking show like Travelers seems to have gone by the way of the rotary dial phone. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's tough. And, and try as I might, I went ahead and and finished the series even though i didn't plan to do that but yeah fred it's you know yeah i have yet to watch a netflix series you know one one a week right i just kidding i'm sorry fred i i agree with you both i think there's a lot of value we we talked about this when you you got me hooked on lost and the show had already run its course so i'm basically watching you know, three episodes of Lost Night and coming in talking to you the next day about it. And, you know, you kept saying, you know, ah, yeah, well, I got to watch these one at a time. So we had more time to really think about each episode. And, you know, you're absolutely right there. There's definitely um, a strong value in that. But also for the other part of me, as as soon as the one episode is done, I just I want to watch another one. I'm like, oh man, what's gonna happen next? You know, back in the days of the radio, if you know, like when the Lone Ranger, there's some cliffhanger at the end. If if you could hear what happened to the Lone Ranger right then, like people would definitely say, like, yeah, let's hit it up, let's let's do it. Radio, tell me what happens next to the Lone Ranger. So, yep, yeah, so. it's kind of human nature, I think. Okay, all right. So Fred brings up David's role in the series, and, and you know, it's kind of at a crossroads for me i mean he can be one half of a cute couple and deliver funny clever lines and that would be fine or the writers can move his character in another direction which it seems they might be doing with his new stand up for myself approach but i think david's going to become an important character that certainly seems to be the way they're going now We've we've talked about Philip's visions of other timelines, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't see them as parallel worlds a la Charlie Jade or even Counterpart for that matter. But if all they are is possibilities, then what's the point? Right. Well, yeah. Well, you know, again, maybe maybe that's it. You know, maybe, maybe the whole thing is what Philip is seeing is maybe has something to do with the reason why – they're not changing the future despite all their efforts. Okay. Because, I mean, seeing Jeff and Carly dead having shot each other wasn't a great leap for us to take, you know, as, as we right. watched everybody right, right. with sure. a gun pointed. Cat and David, I love her attitude, understand David's. I mean, why would he want to think something's wrong with Marcy? I mean, he gets to sleep with her every night now. <laughs> yeah. So... And you're exactly he, he he has strong uh reason to to deny that anything's wrong at all right and i don't think it's the memory blockers it's almost more plausible deniability that uh right. i think it works for him and then and then finally fred brings up ilsa's role uh, certainly could end up as we've said uh, on a skynet level if we're not careful but i don't think we're going there but is it possible that Ilsa is the genesis of the director? I mean, does Ilsa become the director? Well, I, I, I think, again, uh, our, you know, experience with uh, you know, Sarah Connor Chronicles Terminator movies uh, would lead us to think that, yeah, that that's, this is the director in its infancy. Okay, cool. 
All right. Well, why don't we jump into the spoiler zone this week? Spoiler zone. We've certainly got some things that JD brought up in his feedback, and then we've got a couple of things. So uh, let's go ahead and return to JD's uh, email. But as we said, if you have not seen the entire season, stop. Don't listen anymore because you're going to be spoiled. Yes. All right. So uh, JD says, I'm kind of ambivalent about the end of the season in some ways. I've grown to like the cast, and there's no way all of them continue as is. Marcy, for one, never gets mind mangled, so we should be losing the current David-Marcy dynamic. Kat is obviously out, and I suspect Jeff is as well. More on the latter. For what it's worth, Jeff is simply too disagreeable a character to bring back, in my opinion. Trevor, Carly, and Philip, on the other hand, should be okay. That leaves Mac. Yes, he's alive, it would appear, but it's possible he's out as team lead. I wonder if next time around it's David who dies and gets overwritten and Marcy takes a cat-like role. Yeah, that could work. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the things about season four. Who even makes it to season four? I think there's, you know, it's, there's a reasonable expectation that that ending with David and Marcy on the bus, that that could be it. That's it. They got their happy ending and, and we're done with those two characters. You know, I just watched the ending the one time. And so I haven't really unpacked it very much, you know. Okay. Uh, but, you know, so yeah, I don't know. So. All right, well, he, he goes on and says, I too have noticed several actors I remember from other Vancouver shows popping up here and there. Most of them don't remind me of whoever it was they played before, which is impressive. And, and, and again, as, as we see all these shows that are filmed up there in Toronto and in Vancouver, that these actors aren't bigger is mind boggling. And, and I think at some point, it, it's probably a conscious decision that maybe they don't want to be bigger. Maybe they're happy making a good living, raising a family in a normal environment, which is not Hollywood. So right. I, I think we are the beneficiaries of these decisions because, yes, J.D., they're, they're just some great acting. Finally, Cat and Mac's memory kerfuffle. I was under the distinct impression that the Traveler retained all of the memories of the host after they took over. This begs the question of why didn't Mac remember the details of his first meeting with Kat? Here's my take on it. That memory was important to the original Mac, but not to the traveler. Over time, that memory faded from the important memory area of the brain so that at the end of season three, traveler Mac did not recall it. That's yeah. my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess when we go back to that, that episode that he's referring to, the memories, yes, they were memories that were important, but I think we also have to accept that it wasn't every important memory, but, right. but that the memories that were retained were important. So, yeah, well, it, it shows out just a um, kind of a flaw in the traveler program is that they, they can't know everything about these people. They're not these people. So ultimately, I mean, he, he makes a brave try of just saying, you know, I just don't remember. You know, I just, sorry, I forgot, you know, but Kat's like, it's where we met. Like, how, how can you forget that? So, um, you know, it, it reinforces this, this notion that she gets in her head that he's a completely different person, you know, right. but, but yeah, I mean, like we, that's, and probably what we saw, I guess it was Hall. You know, it's not like we see a lot of married travelers, right? I think the only really like travelers we've seen that are in relationships are the ones on this particular team. Um, otherwise, you know, they don't really, you are, you're, you are a completely different person going into this other person's body and to carry out, I believe protocol five, it seems like a almost impossible thing to do. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to bring up for the spoiler zone? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Except for just, you know, I mean, it just, it, it hurts because to see, I, I mean, like I, I think, uh, we, you had mentioned it before, like to see David and Marcy together and so happy and in love, they're obviously setting us up for David's, you know, brief death. Well, and, and certainly we know Marcy ends up shooting herself. So we know they both die in the end. 
and, right. it, and it goes back. Is this a setup episode for those two characters? Because here in episode four, they are so happy. I mean, their relationship has never been in a better place. And while I don't want to say things are falling into place for the travelers team, because they're, you know, just as chaotic as ever, at least she can come home. And, and it struck me in this episode, how she is able to come home to David and leave everything that happened at the door because she truly does seem to be at peace. Now, you know, again, maybe this is just her ability to compartmentalize things, but you know, back to this episode, because we know what's going to happen to these two and their fate. Once the director reboots, do they just simply get their happy ending after all? Do they come full circle where they're happy? They both die and then, you know, they're happy. They do get their happy ending. So, yeah. Right. Now, the only other thing, and this isn't really a spoiler, but I, I've mentioned um, doing a rewatch of Continuum. You, you know that vacuum tube clock that David has in his apartment? Uh, you know, it, it, it's actually got, it's, yes. a, it's got yeah, yeah. tubes on it. And, right. yep. and, mm-hmm. Well, Alex Sadler has the same clock in his man cave op center in continuum i never noticed that before (laughs) so anyway oh cool so well fred thank you for your feedback jd thank you for your feedback uh hope you guys enjoyed the spoiler zone and uh i think we'll probably go ahead and leave it there if that's okay with you that's fine with me yeah all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you for joining us we'd love to hear what you think about uh, travelers haunting of hill house which we'll be returning to in a few weeks Uh, anything else going on in genre tv encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website We'll be back next week to take a look at Season 3, Episode 5 of Netflix's time travel series, Travelers, and the episode's titled Naomi. But until then... So, so Dave, did I ever tell you that I, I almost was in the Indy 500? No. I was so close, yeah. So, like, I just had my like my regular car. It was like a Toyota Civic or Honda Civic. And, yeah, I pull up to the stadium where the race is. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm so close to the track... And some guy just stops me and says, unless you get back in that car, drive away, and never show your face again, you will die today. <laughs>